we talked about earlier that you have other six awesome books that you've written so far, but um, depend, they, are, they are about, you know, parenting books. They are parenting books about, you know, taking care of a child. I think your latest is um, Playing With Baby. As it as the latest one, yeah. Yes. So I'll, I'll love I'll love us to you know talk about you know the first book which is um, unlocking parental intelligence. You've talked about this already before. You know you practicing it with your, with your um, children also. So in in this book you you help parents understand their children's behavior. But my question is going to be how can parents understand why children do what they do, and um, what's what's on their mind, what's going on in their head or in their inner world. How can how can parents understand that? Yeah. The basic concept is when, let's say a parent comes to me and said, my child is really bad, they're naughty, they don't listen, they don't do this, they don't do that, they get angry, they have temper tantrums. They're viewing their child in such a negative way. Mm-hmm. And I want to turn to flip that. So I will say, we will understand all that behavior. But that's the key. Your child is not bad. Your child is in distress Mm. and does not know how to articulate that stress to Mm. him or herself and then not to you. Mm. So they're using behavior, action, to send a message. Mm. Now, if we look at it that way, well, then a temper tantrum means you're in pain. Mm. A temper tantrum means you have trouble tolerating anxiety. And so you blow up or you have trouble tolerating mistakes or failure or, or um, um, insults. Mm-hmm. So you have a temper tantrum because you were teased at school or your teacher was cold to you. Mm-hmm. Yes, I understand. So let's think of how we can figure out how else to handle it. Now, I sound like I'm talking to a 12-year-old. You can't talk like that to a three-year-old. But you'd be amazed um, at what you will learn if you're quiet. Parents talk too much. They interrupt too much. Mm. Um, I have a a granddaughter who's 20 months. And um, I noticed my son, we were outside. um, And... um, He asked her, he he looked at a flower and asked her what color it was. And she's just beginning to say sentences. Mm -hmm. And and she looked at it and she didn't respond. She was working. She was thinking. And he was smart enough to wait. And then she said, yeah. Mm -hmm. She figured it out. We have to give little ones time to figure things out. They have minds. The baby born mm. already at birth, mm. at birth, knows the mm. mother's voice from mm. when they were in utero. Mm. So mm. Who's, who, whose voice are they going to turn their little head to? That voice, that mother. True. That True. little baby, that one, one minute old baby mm. has a mind and it's working. And that's what my baby book is about. Yeah. I've done a lot of research on how the baby's minds work. Mm. So it's really, I find it very exciting mm. because parents can really appreciate the smallest, subtlest changes 
we all think of milestones as learning to crawl, learning to walk, being toilet trained. Yeah. But there's so much more in mm. the sphere of the mind that's going on. Yeah. When so, a, um, this is one of my favorite things, when, when a, a, a eight month old points at something, yeah. you can't see me, but I'm pointing yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> at something, that yeah. is a momentous milestone. And I'll tell you why. Because that means they are aware that if they point their finger at something, mm. that they will get you to look at that. Mm. So they have one intention. Mm -hmm. They have an actual plan. They can't yeah. articulate. Mm. But that finger pointing is demonstrating. They are telling you, I'm interested in that, and I want you to look at that. Mm -hmm. So I know many things. One, that I have intentions. Mm -hmm. Two, if I trust you, I have an expectation that you will look. Mm -hmm. Three, I um, can wait if you don't look right away. That's a, a really big one. Mm -hmm. And then you do. If a baby can learn to wait, that's they're set for life. I mean, that's great. Um, yes. So then the mother, let's say, points at something. Mm -hmm. And the child turns his head and looks at it. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? He knows his mother has a mind separate from his, mm -hmm. with a different intention than his. Mm -hmm. Now, he could never in the world explain that. It's hard enough to explain it as an adult to you why this is so important. But the baby already senses that. They begin to grasp. They're not just a little symbiotic microcosm um, of, of, of an infant. They're a thinking, growing human being who already recognizes that your mind is different than my mind. Mm -hmm. That is phenomenal. Yeah. That milestone is spectacular. Mm. And so if we know that then, and we appreciate that, enjoy that, and appreciate mm. it from the time our babies are babies as they grow, mm. then we begin to trust that if we talk and listen, mm. we will learn as parents what's going on in their minds. Yes. Then a mm. temper tantrum doesn't mean you're bad anymore. Mm. It means you're trying to say something. Mm. And it's our job as parents to find out what that is somehow or other. Mm. Yes. Um, on a Facebook page, I, somebody wrote to me, um, I read your book on anxiety, but my child won't tell me what she thinks and feels. She just complains that everyone's against her. So I don't see how to make your book work. <laughs> so I wrote back. <laughs> she did it already. She mm. said everyone's against her. That's amazing. She's six years old, and she said everyone's against her. Mm. Well, all you have to do is tell, ask her to tell you more about that. Mm. What, what does that even mean? What does she mean, against? What does a six-year-old mean when they say the word against? Mm. Well, if you're willing to listen and encourage her to articulate as much as she can about what's happening, then you'll understand. You don't have to be mad at her. 
Mm -hmm. I have, somebody asked me to write an article on what if your child says, I hate you? Ooh. What do you do? Do you punish them? Do you put them in time out? Yeah. And my response was, put them in time in. Because they are telling you a feeling that's mm. immense. Hate. Mm. They feel hate? Why in the world would they feel hate at their age? You want to know that, and they're willing to tell you. Mm. You've accomplished your great parents. Your mm. child is telling you how they feel. Mm. So this is what parental intelligence is about. Knowing mm. how to pick up the subtle cues from our kids, because they're giving them to us all the time. Mm. They're not going to sit and have a one-on-one -on -one discussion like we're having. But they'll give you an offhanded comment. Listen to it. Remember it. It's important. They'll um, react too strongly to something. You know, um, maybe hit their fists on the table. Maybe mm. drum their fingers on the table. Mm. Okay, so they're expressing it in that way. It, it's hard. It's hard to tolerate it as a parent. Yeah. But just remember, that's their language. Mm. They're talking to you. Mm. So just say, what's wrong? Mm. Or... Ooh, try, do what they're doing. You know, I don't know if you can hear this. Yes, I can hear that, yes. Okay, good. Tap your fingers on the table and see what it feels, and you'll notice you feel a little anxious. Mm. So try to comprehend what those gestures, those behaviors, um, they're all messages, and that's what parental intelligence is all about. Mm -hmm. I have five specific steps that kind of give a person a feeling they have tools to use. Mm. Um, but the basis of all of it is that behavior has meaning. Behavior sends a message. Yeah. Children and parents need to be message, excuse me, me need to be meaning makers. Mm. We need to find meaning in what we see and hear and do. Mm. And if that happens, you can solve problems collaboratively with a mm. two-year-old, with a 12-year-old, with a 20-year-old. Because you're interested in what's on their mind. And once once you get it, well, I mean, you know, how can you solve a problem if you don't understand it first? It just doesn't make any sense. No. If a child says, I hate you, and you put them in time out, I, I, don't, I don't get it at all. Because you're, you're defeating your parental impulse. Mm. You think you have to get them to speak sweetly why they have to say what they feel to you not to everyone you don't want this to happen in the grocery store i agree okay then leave the grocery store forget what you're buying get back in the car and just say, or on the subway and just say what did you mean before it, you know we it's it shopping wasn't important what was important was what you said so let's talk about so we have to know how to interrupt our schedules, interrupt our plans. And it's hard because we're busy. We're working parents. Yeah. Um, my kids were one of the first kids to have in, in the, I lived in a kind of rural community and they were the first kids to have a professional mother among their friends <laughs> who was working. Mm. They, the, their friends were not experiencing the same thing. In the other households, the mothers were not busy. They didn't ru rush through dinner. You know, mm -hmm. they they had they were totally focused. Mm -hmm. Now, being a therapist, I had the advantage of planning my own schedule. 
So I could stop working at four o'clock. So I was home when they came home and I could help with homework. But that, that was a luxury and I know it. And it is a privilege. Um, but um, kids can accept a lot if they understand it and they feel understood. Yeah. It's hard work. Yeah. But to be a parent is to be responsible for another human life. Yeah. I mean, how important can you get? <laughs> you know, so it's worth, it's worth the effort. It's yeah. worth step, putting yourself aside. Another piece of it, like a lot of people have asked me about how to help kids during COVID and we're in a little bit of a transition out of it, maybe, hopefully. Mm. And um, they say, you know, how should I, what rules should I change now that they don't have to wear masks in in stores because they're 13 and they were vaccinated? Mm. And I say, don't worry about rules. Just think about what they've been through. You know, two years in our lives, it's a long enough time, but if you're six or you're 10, two years is huge. Mm. So think on their timeline for a second. For two years, they've been taught to be afraid to be near people physically. They've been taught to believe that they cannot see, and they're correct, they cannot see their friends easily. Mm. This is the world they're living in. And the biggest thing they're worried about everybody dying Mm. and when you hear i mean we really have to monitor how much television they watch because how much news they watch it's overwhelming as adults so Mm. it's certainly going to be overwhelming as a child Mm. until you're about eight or nine you don't entirely understand what death really is that it's a permanent thing so now you're being assaulted with talk of this all the time Yes. We can't go visit grandma because we could make her sick. We could make her sick, but I'm not sick. Mm-hmm. I, what do you mean? I can't breathe on grandma? Mm-hmm. I don't get it. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And try to explain to a seven-year-old what asymptomatic passing of a virus is about. <laughs> oh, my God. Mm-hmm. You, you realize how anxious these kids have been for two years? Mm-hmm. Really scared. They only show it in their behaviors for some of them. Some of them talk about it, very few. They'll tell you they're afraid to go back to school in September. You know, they, they're not used to being with kids. They're used to being just with their parents. Mm-hmm. And now everything's changing. Their parents are going to not work at home anymore. Or their parents just got a job again. So mm-hmm. they're not going to be home anymore. Mm-hmm. And they have to suddenly be in a whole classroom What if everybody gets sick again? These are frightened children. Mm. And we have to realize that they've been traumatized. So they need real knowledge, real facts, just enough they can handle. Mm. They go on Google, go on it with them, and look things up together. Mm. They have not felt secure. Mm. You can be the best parent in the world, but you couldn't prevent a virus. So they need to regain or gain for the first time that the world can have some predictability, can have some certainty, but they have not been living in that world. All of our children, every one of us who has children and every little one has been living in an uncertain world for two years. Now, many of these children, of course, lived in an uncertain world long before COVID. 
So this only was put on top of their fears. Mm. That's mm. what we call trauma. Mm. And we have to be really mindful of that. Have you heard about Newsly? It's an all-in-one audio super app for iOS and Android that picks up web articles about the most trending topics on the web at any given moment. It reads this article to you in a natural human voice. You can follow any topic as specific as you like it, from sport to entertainment to science to Bitcoin. It will find the latest articles and read them to you. And they also have podcasts. Our podcast, Mirror Talk, is there as well. You can also explore trending podcasts from over 50 countries. Download and use Newsly for free now from www.newsly.me. Use our promo code M1RRORTALK to receive a one-month free premium subscription. Link and promo code are available in the show notes of this episode. And the parents can help to, you know, um, help the children with this with this kind of traumas that they that they develop in this kind of period. Yes, by yeah. by clarifying real information, mm. knowledge goes a long way. You can make it very simple. Mm. Um, you know, with my grandbaby, um, this social. Facial recognition is how babies learn. Mm. And now if she was taken out, she, everyone had a mask on. I mean, it's really strange. Think of that. Mm. She's trying to understand what pointing means. And somebody's wearing a mask so she can't even see their facial expression. Mm. You know, it's, um, we're, we've really interrupted the development of babies this, this year. Mm. And... I think we talk a lot about teenagers because how in the world is a teenager supposed to not social? And that's what we've done, you know, and do they feel bad if they sneak a phone call? I mean, it's very confusing. Mm -hmm. So when they go back to school and we, if we do transition a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, we have to realize that we're talking to a child who has been living in an uncertain world. Yeah. And yeah. be really understanding of that. Yeah. I mean, we have been too, but we're adults and we've experienced uncertain times in different generations in different ways. Yeah. But right now we have to think of our children first yeah. and what they've experienced. experienced and yeah. nearly everybody knows somebody who got sick or died. Yeah. So that means you're a young child already experiencing that. And if you're unfortunately a child who experienced it long before COVID, as I said before, you've now piled trauma on top of trauma. And that has, there's a word for that. It's called strain trauma. It goes on for a long, it accumulates. And we don't just do what people say, move on. It's a silly, silly two words because it's not as easy as it sounds. It's very difficult to and so we have to appreciate that that's what's happening to our children. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So writing the baby book was delightful because I was helping people learn about their baby's minds. It was, yeah. it was really fun. I mean, yeah. I, I just loved it's month by month. I um, give the, I try to put in everyday language, the research that's been done mm-hmm. um, so that parents can 
optimize their play. I mean, there's so many different ways you can play with a child, but mm-hmm. if you have choices, this way, if you know something about how your child's mind works, you'll make choices that are um, most beneficial. And I think the book is very, is very good because it's also helps the parents to, you know, create secure attachments with the baby, with the way and techniques that you describe in the book to, to take care of them. Yes, to, yes. Yeah. The word attachment is very important. My yeah. publisher made me use the word bonding because mm. that's a more commonly used word. Yes. But the word you used is the more accurate word, an attachment. Attachment. If a baby at four months has a secure, what's called a secure attachment with their parent mm. at 12 months they will be a secure child well, so I, now we can we can predict these things mm. yes. so, so the word attachment is i want to put it in people's vocabulary because it, it a secure attachment and an insecure attachment two different ball games mm. and really important to understand that so in my last chapter i i um do elaborate on that a little bit mm. or not a lot more than they wanted me to. <laughs> <laughs> so, so are there like some ways you could maybe tell us um, or tell parents out there a ways to, you know, create this secure attachment? Is it like um, skin to skin, you know, kind of, um, I don't know, I've, I've watched this movie before, where they say you put the baby on your, on your beer skin so that they can get attached to you or bond with you properly. Or, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. In fact, I'll tell you a fascinating thing about research is that babies... Um, There's an optimal distance, <clears throat> excuse me, between the mother or father's face and the baby's mm. that we, we adults, our brains tell us what it is. Mm. It comes naturally. You will hold the baby at the correct distance very mm. naturally. Our brains were programmed to know how to do that. Mm. We don't really have to be afraid to be new parents. We'll do it. We'll do the right thing if we just give ourselves time, um, that there is an actual optimal distance to maintain and it comes naturally. I mean, I just love that. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to read, read my book to find out. You're just going to do it. And that, that, that's wonderful. You know, it's very relieving. So we have, there's a lot of qualities that we have, depending on how we were raised, um, that are going to come very naturally to a new parent. We don't have to be afraid of that little, little chimp. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes, uh, that's that's good. So, um, for parents out there that who are very busy, like you are, so from it's a perfect example because you are, you know, a psychotherapist, psychoanalyst, and I'm sure you have a very very busy schedule. Um, f- so from your experience, um, and also from your books, you've written books about you know for busy parents. Um, how, how can how can busy parents, you know, um, you know, deal with children or manage, um, you know, anger, um, exhaustion, anxiety, or the use of technology um, in their children's life? Yes, um, um, I could give an example for each one, but let's say exhaustion. First, we mm. have to really understand what that is. We have a, a funny system, mostly because of school buses, actually, mm. oddly enough that teenagers go to school very early and younger children go to school a little later. Mm-hmm. It's totally backwards. The teenage mind needs a lot more sleep. Mm-hmm. And getting a kid up at five in the morning 
and in homeroom by 6.30 or 7, mm -hmm. if he's not paying attention, it really isn't his fault. His body is not operating that way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, we create these schedules because we want them to be able to have um, activities after school, mm -hmm. sports mostly. Yes. You know, so we, we start the day early so they can stay late. But we have to figure it out because... <laughs> we're going against what their body is saying. Mm -hmm. So when your teenager sleeps till noon, if he's lucky or she's lucky enough on Saturday, they're not bad kids for Pete's sake. They really need the sleep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so with, in terms of exhaustion, it's important to understand at different developmental stages at different ages, mm -hmm. um, how much sleep a child actually needs. Mm -hmm. And it's very important. Um, I mean, we need sleep to function. We need sleep to think. We need sleep to eat right. We need sleep for it, it's it's um, a great remedy for a lot of things. Yes, um, yes. So in the book that focuses on exhaustion, I do give a lot of information mm -hmm. that describes what we can expect and um, appreciate at each different developmental age. Mm -hmm. So um, and I give examples of a parent who's getting angry at their child because um, they didn't do their chores at seven in the morning. And the child says, I, I would have, but I couldn't get out of bed. This isn't a bad kid. This is a kid who needs sleep. Mm -hmm. So we have to realign our thinking and our rules. Of course, kids should have chores, but we have to make sense of what we, what, when we're asking them to do things. Yeah. And so the book is going to explain some of that. Mm -hmm. um, the technology book, it, has, it came out at an interesting pre-COVID time, so, which was kind of interesting because mm -hmm. then suddenly school was online <laughs> for so many kids. Yeah. So here were all the rules about you can go on your screen time for an hour. You can watch TV, blah, 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 all this stuff. And mm -hmm. then they had to do it. Yes. And it was hard. Um, I watch kids now who sit in a room all by themselves on the computer all day in school, mm. and they're supposed to pay attention to the screen. Mm. It's tough yes. and it's lonely. Mm. So now when we start making new rules about screen behavior, we have to remember what they've just been through. Mm. You know, so we can't just make rules you know what i always find interesting is bill gates and the like the, the super techie people mm -hmm. their kids if you read about them had very little screen time because they know how addictive it is mm -hmm. but we've just blown that out of the water because we've put school online yeah yes how a kindergartner is supposed to go to school online is far beyond my scope of <laughs> but <laughs> This is what's happened over two years. So we really have to think about it that way. And I'll tell you something very funny. When It's not funny, it's sad, but when I was writing the baby book, um, it was during the COVID months. And I said, I think I should write a chapter on recommended research with regard to COVID for babies growing up during this time. And unanimously, the editors and everybody I'm not faulting them if they're listening, but they told me not to talk about that because how did I know? Maybe in a year it would all be over. Mm -hmm. I said, that's premature. It's not going to be. 
know, there's mm -hmm. such a there's such a tendency to um, want to deny the power of this virus that they were afraid I was going to sound too negative mm -hmm. instead of helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't do it, but I wrote my own articles on COVID and on anxiety and whatever. So they were out there. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we all are having difficulty with that. Um, but in those books, because they're written, not the baby book, but the others are all written pre-COVID, um, there's all kinds of examples of very typical behaviors that parents find puzzling and distressing and how to go through the five steps of parental intelligence. Um, so we ask about busy parents. Once you kind of have that down pat, you know how to use time really well. And you know when to cancel something to be there for your, for your child. Yes. And you know when the child can wait. The parental intelligence approach becomes so automatic mm. that even though you're busy and rushed and have your own appointment to get to, mm. you get into it immediately. Yeah. And um, that's basically how it works for busy parents. You have to really learn it. And once mm. you do, and can catch, capture what it's all about, the meaning mm. behind behavior. Mm. Um, you can fit it in your busy life. In fact, it makes your busy life easier because mm. you know how to handle situations quickly if, if you have to. Yes. Um, or you know how to say to your child, I really want to hear what you have to say, but I have to get to work. So let's, let's have a date. Mm. Let's set a time and we're yes. going to talk about it. And you really do. You don't forget. Mm. So... You know, there, there are ways for busy parents to do it. And I found that busy parents appreciate it because now it's like they have a little toolkit as to how to manage all these things interfering with each other. I, I find that really good. And I'm going to encourage every busy, busy parent out there to pick each copy of this book. There are separate books, actually. There's one for anger. There's another one for exhaustion. There's one for anxiety. And there's a special one for um, use of technology. Um, Yes, I'm going to place the link to your website and the show notes for this episode so that everyone could click on it and get the, um, the book. Yeah, I encourage people to do that because everyone doesn't want to buy a book, but you mm. can get it in Kindle, you can get an audio. Yes. But I, if you go to my on the website, you'll see something called publications. Mm. And I have literally hundreds of articles that are totally free. You just click on them mm. and you can read about all these topics. Or subscribe to my blog if you if you would like to do that. Yeah. Or, or if you're not being flooded by emails, um, <laughs> and you'll be able to read about this stuff without paying a cent for a book. Yes. So I, I really want people to know that. You know, yes. I want to sell my books, obviously, but yeah. I really just want to get this approach out because yeah. I think it's it's it really works. And happier kids and happier parents. I mean, it's really true. Mm, <laughs> it really yes. works. Yes, yes. And it's going to come in handy for me later in the future when I become a parent or so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, that's good. So from, from your, your vast experience as a psychoanalyst, can you enlighten us on some ways that we could, you know, achieve better well-being? Okay, one thing, I, I, I thought about your question, because of course it's such a big topic. Mm. Um, but I thought about two things I'd like to suggest. One is knowledge. No matter whether you're two days old or 90 days, 90 years old, keep learning, mm -hmm. keep learning. It not only empowers you, but it lifts your spirits. It feels so good to learn something new. It's exciting. 
Learning should be fun. Learning should be for its own sake. And I encourage that at every age, new learning at every age. Mm -hmm. And for uh, teachers and parents, when their kids are working on their homework, it really should be a pleasure. It shouldn't be this horrible pressure to get a grade. Mm -hmm. Because if learning is instilled in the family as something that's pleasurable, Mm -hmm. that you enjoy, well, you, you have a whole different focus on why you do the homework. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's entirely different. So yeah. that's one thing. Enjoy learning. That's one. Okay. It's that's... one person mm-hmm. that they can talk to about personal things um, without being judged. We all need at least one person in our lives we can trust mm-hmm. to talk to who's going to keep what we say to themselves and not judge us for whatever it is that we're feeling. We all make mistakes. We're all going to do ridiculous things and we're all going to fail at relationships here and there. But if we can just talk to somebody who we trust, who will not judge us or blame us and really listen, sometimes the listening in itself is kind of curative, but also hearing another perspective is also helpful. We overreact. We misinterpret. We all do it. It's not, you know, isolated to one or two people. Everyone does that. It's part of human nature. Mm-hmm. So we, I think we all, for our well-being, we all need at least one person we can tell the truth to, the truth that we want to tell. I don't mean disclose beyond what you're comfortable with, mm-hmm. but just somebody you can tell something to when you need to, mm-hmm. who's not going to judge you, who's not going to blame you, mm-hmm. and is you trust. Mm-hmm. So those are my two little things. Yes. So that person is going to be like a mentor. Is it different from a mentor in this case? Could be a best friend. It could be a spouse. It could be a partner. It could be um, a coach. Mm-hmm. It could be um, some teachers. Um, it might even be your doctor if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> um, it doesn't matter where you find this person. And the person mm-hmm. doesn't have to be in your family. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody should find someone. Yeah. And do the same for someone else. What's the best way to connect and work with you for listeners out there who have been listening um, since? And what's the best way for them to work with you or connect with you to maybe get more advice, get some of your services? I think if they go on Facebook mm. and read an article, they can leave a message there. I will okay. respond. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one avenue and they can learn from me as I said without buy the books but you don't have to buy the books the mm-hmm. articles are really there for you to take Take yes. and so um, that's another way to connect but I find Facebook is good because you can really write to me mm-hmm. what you're you know if you've, you're comfortable doing that yes. um, people don't tend to read those messages so it does seem kind of private mm-hmm. and I can respond very privately Mm. And then if I feel like I know the person, I can give them a more direct link to me. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And it's, it's a wonderful job you've done with your website already because it has all the information one needs already. It has the articles, the publications, everything that one could um, read for free. It's easy. It's all connected to Amazon and Barnes & Noble and all that stuff. So, yes. you know, you can just click on it, everything. Exactly. So the link to your website will be placed in the show notes. Also, your Facebook page will be placed in the show notes. So, 
I encourage everyone, every mother, every father, every partner to get in contact with you and um, yes, get your books also. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Thank you very much. And now we have a connection. How nice. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. You made it to the very end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye.